Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. All right, we're in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, if you're new or visiting. And we go through the Bible verse by verse. And so we find ourselves in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to have a Bible. Really important to have a paper Bible. The technology is so incredible nowadays that they could flip your phone off. And if, you're, if you have your notes and everything on your phone, I hope you have it backed up into your home computer. Because they can shut that off too. So you might want to print it out. But you definitely want to have a paper Bible. encourage you to have that. So, 2 Corinthians, the team always does a great job. If you're new to the Word of God, you're new to the faith, um, the, the little white arrow tells you where in your Bible you're going to find it. 66 books of the Bible, 39 old, 27 new, two before, two after, where we are. The bolded scripture is where we are this morning. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, and keep your mind, kind of make that, make a mental note, because we're going to be emphasizing that this morning, mercy... We do not lose heart. I won't ask for a show of hands, but I would say in the last two years, all of us have had that sense of what's the point? What's the point? I think we've all had that. It might have only been for a few seconds, but we probably all have had that over the last two to two and a half years. So, what does the scripture tell us this morning? We do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. But my manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of of Jesus Christ. Father, we again continue in our worship of you through commanding our souls to be still. We have plans this afternoon. Maybe we have anxiety or regrets over this past week. But Lord, we command our soul to be still, to open up our minds to your word that we might grow and be more like Jesus. That's the goal, Father. Be more like your son each and every day. So we invite your Holy Spirit. I pray for the gift of teaching and for your Holy Spirit to do a work in our lives this morning as we go over your word. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, just for a quick review, uh, chapter three, we dealt a lot with grace versus the law. Grace versus the law, grace versus the law. And even as a Christian, you can find yourself falling back into the law. And it's Jesus plus water baptism. That is a requirement in some churches. Or it's Jesus plus speaking in tongues. 
And you, you wouldn't think that, but that is a requirement to, sh- to have evidence that you're literally saved. And so even under the banner of Christianity, Christians can slip back into certain laws or church ordinances. So as we look over chapter 3 here, that's what we dealt with, the believer, the unbeliever. We're gonna, and Paul now is going to build on that because he says, therefore. So because of what he shared in, verse, in chapter 3, the law versus grace. The law was good, it was perfect, given to us by a perfect God, but it was a schoolmaster. Now that we have Christ and the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, we don't need that schoolmaster anymore. Now the Holy Spirit teaches us and convicts us. So verse 1, therefore... Because of those things, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. You see, the church will always have those who are religious or trying to bring believers back under the law or church ordinances. We see this in religion. It's Jesus plus whatever that might be. But there will always be those believers who are committed to being ambassadors for Christ. You see, that's what you're called. We'll get to it here in a couple chapters. Actually, the next chapter, chapter 5. So don't become discouraged, weary. Notice what it says there. We do not lose heart. Guys, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. No matter what happens, no matter what they decide in D.C., they're not stopping Jesus from coming back. He's coming back right on time. And so that's what we got to stay focused on. Amen. Feel free to clap. Amen. Don't get tired, despaired, or or lose heart because of God's grace. We don't grow weary as those who try to keep certain laws. But those who try to keep the law will always become weary and frustrated. If not with themselves, with somebody else. You don't keep the law like I do. You don't meet the requirements of the church like I do. What's the matter with you? Judge, judge, judge. Let's look at uh, this slide here. 2 Corinthians 5 says this. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. I'm reading this out of the New Living Translation. And God has given us. Who's the us here? Every Bible-believing Christian. Not just the pastor, not just the elders, the deacons. Every Bible-believing Christian has this calling. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to himself. For God was in Christ. Jesus was not just a great prophet, Islam. Jesus was not an angel, Jehovah Witnesses. Jesus was not just a good teacher, Hindu. All the religions of the world have an opinion about Jesus. Take it to the Bible. For God was in Christ. Jesus was, is, always will be God. Reconciling the believers to himself. Is that what your Bible says? Is that what that slide says? As we approach 8 billion people, all 8 billion people could receive Jesus as their Savior. They've all been forgiven at the cross. Now, they all haven't appropriated that forgiveness. We'll get more into that. But reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us the wonderful message of reconciliation. As we go into our workplaces, our schools, we can let people know, hey, you can know God. I'm not religious. I have a relationship. You can know God. So we are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. 
We speak to, for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned, as I shared in communion, Jesus never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That's how we get right. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. And again, if you're new or visiting, um, you might think, wow, we're actually going through the Bible. Yes, it's so important for you to go through your Bible. It's not what I say. As long as I line up with the Bible, that's great. But more importantly, what does the Bible say? Because you're going to take your Bible with you. You'll forget most of the things I say. That's just scientific. By the end of the day, he said something. What do you say? But you can always open your Bible because he said, oh, you know what he referenced First Timothy? You open your Bible. Boom, there it is. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained, what? Mercy. If you're a believer this morning, you obtained mercy. And you might not have thought you needed it as much as that other person who was a real sinner. Now, you were a real sinner, and you needed 100% mercy. So as Paul writes this, we need to apply it to ourselves. I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant. Notice the grace, the grace. With faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul acknowledged, I am a sinner daily. I need more of the Holy Spirit daily. However, for this reason I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long suffering. So when people look at you at your workplace, they go, oh, Jim got saved? I guess God could save me then. That's what Paul's saying. In his day and age, people looked at him and go, God saved you? Well, I guess God can save anybody. And he can. He can save anyone. We don't save people. He saves people, but we are his ambassadors. As a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Back in 2 Corinthians 4, you know, it's what a blessing to know that God's mercy, he never grows weary. God never grows weary, ever. He's always merciful, and as the scriptures say in Lamentations 3, 22 through 26, through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. That is so key, guys, as we're, I hope that you're registered to vote. I hope that you're going on to websites. We went on to websites. We looked at their statements. You want to find out if the candidate you're voting for is pro-life or pro-death? You're a believer. You know the truth. You should vote accordingly. Do your homework and vote accordingly. Forget party lines. Vote according to the word of God. It's, it's your right. And whatever happens, God has a plan and a purpose behind that. Because some people have lost heart and they go, well, it doesn't matter. It's going to be rigged. Or blah, 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 blah. No, no, that's irrelevant. God's going to put in there who he wants to put in there. We need to do our part. So register, 
And please vote. It's very important. Verse 2, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame. That, that renounce there, it means to disown. Disown. It's used only once in the New Testament right here. To disown. Now, now keep this in mind as you were thinking of Paul and where Paul came from. Being that Pharisee. Being the one who persecuted, who killed, who had letters to go to various cities to bring them back to Jerusalem to have Christians tortured. So disown, for we have renounced the hidden things of shame. You see, Paul, or Saul, had played that religious game, and upon becoming born again, he wanted nothing to do with it. He wanted nothing to do with it anymore. He was not going back to the law. He was not going back to Judaism. He was focusing on Jesus. And that's why it says here, uh, we have renounced. Renounce, again, means to disown, to disown. You've heard it many, many times, born and raised Catholic. I was going to hell, but I punched the clock every Sunday. Once I received Christ as my Savior, I knew I was going to heaven. But I had to get to that place reading my Catholic Bible because of the contradictions where I had to say, you know what, I can't have anything to do with this church. This is contradictory. It's the Bible plus church church teaching equals salvation, and that's not scriptural. So I had to do what? I had to renounce. I had to disown. Now, that doesn't mean that I hate Catholics or that I hated my Catholic family. None of that nonsense. But I just had to debug the program because there are contradictions. And so you might have contradictions with your previous upbringing, Islam or Mormonism or Jehovah Witnesses, and you might find yourself creeping back into some things going, well, why do I do that? Because you were programmed that way. You've got to debug the program. You have to disavow that. No, that's, that's not of God. And there's nothing wrong with that. Don't bash other religions. Just know the truth. You see, Paul has disowned the religious beliefs of salvation by works and declares his practices as shameful. It's shameful to tell somebody, oh, you're saved? Yes, I'm saved. Yeah, but you don't go to our church, so you're not saved. That, are you crazy? That's shameful. But there are people, there are many religions that teach that and practice that. As far as Paul was concerned, he had not been teaching the Corinthians about cunningly devised religious beliefs. He has not used the word to bring people into bondage. He has not been deceitful. Deceitfully means to ensnare or to corrupt. Religion is very, very dangerous. It does corrupt. I don't know of a religion that is not corrupt. Now, relationship, totally different. And we're not here to practice religion. We're here to practice our relationship. And the Holy Spirit will keep that corruptness away when we continually surrender to him. Rather, his life speaks of the complete understanding of grace by manifestation. Notice in the middle of verse 2 there. But by manifestation of the truth. By manifestation, that means exhibition. That's the definition of those two words there. Exhibition. Now think about that in your workplace. We don't like being under the magnifying glass. Nobody likes that. But if you're a Christian these days, you better just get used to being that. Because you are standing for truth. When does life begin? At conception. There are many politicians out there, including the mayor of New York City, that says abortion needs to be allowed up until the day of birth. Oh, your baby's going to be born tomorrow? Well, you can 
kill, murder the baby today. Really. We deserve judgment. We deserve judgment with politicians like that. We deserve judgment. So our lives are on exhibition. Paul's life was transformed from a life of trying to fulfill the law to a life that was filled with grace. You see, he had come to understand the grace of God in the word of God. And now he was freely passing that knowledge on. I hope that you understand the grace of God because if you truly don't, you'll be judgmental. You'll be harsh with other people. You'll be short-tempered. You'll have those fleshy attributes that you don't want to have because you don't understand the grace of God because God shows you grace every day. He shows me grace every day. Every single day, he shows me grace. Not for temporal gain or through selfish desires, but through the obvious transformation that took place in his own life as well as the lives of the believers at Corinth. People, I can guarantee you, and I want to encourage you, in your workplace, people have seen your life changed. They might not tell you that. They might not acknowledge that. But they have. So just keep pressing on. Keep doing the right thing. You see, truth is easily recognizable in a life that has been transformed by the word of God. And it's getting easier and easier every single day. Uh, When the smartest people in the land can't figure out what a woman is, we got a problem. We got a problem. And we're going to put them on the Supreme Court. But they can't define what a woman is. We've got a very, very serious problem. So a question might be, are you walking in the word? Am I walking in the word? Can people see a difference? If you are, then your life will bring forth truth, which will be undeniable by those around us. This will in turn glorify our heavenly father. So in verse three, but even if our gospel, and the gospel means good news, People are not seeing Christianity as good news. They're, they're, they're lumping us Christians with the far right. We're extremist. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Eternal separation from God. Before I became born again, I was eternally separated from God by my choice. And we'll get into that. Once I received Christ as my Savior, no longer applicable. The veil has been lifted. But for those who do not want to listen to the word or search the scriptures to see if Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that the things spoken of in the word are true, then they will find themselves lost. There is a spiritual battle that is taking place, and as we're going to see in the next verse, I just need to specifically intercede on their behalf. I don't save anybody. You don't save anybody. I don't need to take the rejection of my beliefs personally. For their salvation will be between them and the God of all mercies. All mercies. For God has given and will give to every person ample opportunity to receive the gospel. As we approach 8 billion people, he's giving every person ample opportunity. We might not understand that, but we're not God. Let God be God. He's giving every person ample opportunity. Whose minds, in verse 4... The God, notice little g, the God of this age has blinded who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. So again, don't preach yourself, 
point to Jesus. Even as we sang this morning, it's all about Jesus. It's not about Calvary Chapel. It's not about a church. It's about Jesus. You see, the Holy Spirit gives us insight into the base problem of mankind. And you've probably heard somebody say it, or maybe you've even said it yourself at one point in your life, you know? Don't bother me with that religious stuff. I heard this when I was working at Motorola several times. People would come up to me and they'd say, you're religious, aren't you? And I'd lovingly correct them. I'd say, no, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But then they would say, well, you know, would you pray for me? And it would shock me because I'm like, I, would, wasn't, I didn't have a banner. We'll pray for you. I was at work. I was on my lunch break. I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. But people could see something different about me. People can see something different about you. As a student, maybe in your neighborhood, if you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, people are watching. They think they say, you know, I know where I'm going, to, and I'm going to hell, and it's fine with me. I'm going to party on. Why do they have that mentality? I had that mentality. I had that mentality. Well, notice that Paul mentions the God of this world, little g. You see, he goes by the name of Lucifer, the devil, or Satan in the scriptures, if you're new to the Bible. And I find his initials interesting, especially since Paul's addressing empty religious practices. Because they will come and knock on your door and say, if you don't belong to our church, the LDS church, you're not going to be saved. No, I'm already saved. I'm saved by grace through faith alone. I don't need your church. I don't need your rules and regulations. But let me share the gospel with you. You see, Jesus called Satan the prince of this world. Jesus called Satan that, the prince of this world. In Ephesians, Paul calls Satan the prince of the power of the air. And later on in Ephesians, Paul writes this in Ephesians 6, 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're not wrestling against Washington, D.C. We're wrestling against those six, eight, ten souls around us that need Jesus and the spiritual warfare that's taking place in their lives. Guys, that's in reality who we're wrestling against. Do petitions, vote, do all those things. I would never, ever discourage that. But also remember where the battle's taking place. How many of you are married? Any of you married? Raise your hand high. Don't be ashamed of your mate. (laughs) So if you're married, feel free to look at your mate. Go ahead and look at your mate. Feel free to look at your mate. There lies the battle right there. (laughs) What does it say? For For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Why is there divorce? Even within the church. They don't focus on this verse. They focus on each other. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You see, in Acts, why don't we turn to Acts chapter 26, Paul is sharing his salvation testimony with King Agrippa and shows us that there is a spiritual power struggle going on in this world. It's not a power struggle of who's going to win. God, through his one and only son, has already won the battle for the soul of mankind at the cross. That's already done. But there is a spiritual power struggle within every person. Even this morning, even as I'm speaking, there is a spiritual battle possibly going on right now in your mind or in your soul. You might be thinking, who does this clown think he is? I don't need the Bible. I can't wait to get out of here and go to lunch. 
That's a spiritual battle. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, that's a real battle. I just want to encourage you and let you know that. That's a spiritual battle for your soul. The enemy does not want you to hear the truth because then you'll be set free. And you'll have a relationship with God via Jesus and you'll end up going to heaven. He wants to drag you to hell. So just be aware, even right now in this room, there's spiritual battles going on. That, that's reality. You see, there's a spiritual battle struggle going on within every person. and It is up to each individual person to determine who they're going to surrender that battle to. It's called free will. Acts 26. So I said, Paul is now sharing his testimony before King Agrippa. Who are you, Lord? And Jesus said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. So Paul is going over his testimony of when he was going to Damascus to arrest Christians, bring them back to Jerusalem, torture them, maybe even have them killed. He got knocked off his horse, his donkey, or whatever happened. He was on the ground, face down. And he's sharing that now. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles. Two groups of people live on the face of the earth. You're either Jewish or you're Gentile. To whom I now send you. To op- Here's the point. To open their eyes. You see, right now, if you don't have a personal relationship with God via Jesus Christ in this room right now, the Holy Spirit is trying to open your eyes. If you're watching on the internet or you're listening on the DVD, the CD later on, God is trying to open your eyes, but you have free will. You can say, I don't want nothing to do with it. You can close your eyes. I don't want nothing to do with it. You can close your heart. I don't want nothing to do with it. Praise God. Free will is wonderful. But just know God loves you. To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan to God. Every one of you have a testimony. And before you became a believer, you were under the power of Satan. And sometimes people think, I got to go out and do drugs and drink and do all that bad stuff so that I can have a really good testimony. Don't do any of that. You don't need to do any of that. Your testimony is your testimony. My wife did none of that nonsense. But she still had a testimony. She was going to church, but she was going to hell. She didn't have a relationship with Christ. So she was under the power of the God of this world, little g. She was under that influence. And that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So again, God gives us some insight into how to pray for those who are lost as we look back into 2 Corinthians 4. You see, God has created us in his own image and has given each person a free will, as I've mentioned. I can choose to seek after God in his ways or I can choose to reject God in his ways. Even as a believer, I have that free will to continue to seek or not seek. You see, it is up to me to determine my eternal fate, which we all do in one way or another. I don't want to hear about your God. It's your fate, not mine. God doesn't override my choice about him because he will give me free will. But free will is our key to our relationship with God, even as believers. He has no desire to own robotic children, but rather to receive those who have a desire to have a relationship with him as a son or a daughter. So important. You see, spiritual blindness in part comes from sin, for in Hebrews 11.25 tells us that sin is pleasurable for a season. 
Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. So again, spiritual blindness in part comes from sin. Paul encourages a young pastor here. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. Wow. Would that be applicable to us today? (laughs) Anybody ever heard of a conspiracy theory? People approach me with these things, and I'm going, come on, would you please stop? How ridiculous. What does the Word of God say? Just keep going back to the Word of God. And if there's something out there that the government's doing, you going to stop them? <laughs> you ain't going to stop them. Why worry about it? Just love Jesus and have an influence on those six to eight, ten people around you. Forget about changing the government. You're not going to do it. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, mankind there, male, female, apt to teach, patient, in meekness. And the word meekness there means Humility. In humility, not self-righteous. Instructing those that oppose themselves. You see, I was opposed to myself. I was doing drugs, I was drinking, I was doing various things. I was opposed, even though I punched the clock every Sunday, to what I should have been doing because I did hear the word of God, but I wasn't discipled and I didn't have the Holy Spirit within me, so I didn't understand it. Once I received the Holy Spirit, then the word of God made sense. And we've gone over those scriptures many times. So in meekness and humility, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God preadventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. So don't argue politics. Don't argue religion. Just take people to Jesus. Just keep taking people to Jesus. Hey, God loves you. Jesus died for you. That's the truth. Pretty simple. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. Free will. That one, nothing to do with your Jesus. Okay, that's fine. Who are taken captive by his will. What's the will of mankind's spiritual enemy? Revelation 12, 9. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast out to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. See, that's what religion does. It deceives. Uh, Islam, major, major religion. Deception. Who is Jesus in Islam? He's not the son of God. He is not the son of God. You don't have to study years. They will, they will tell you this. Just ask a Muslim, is Jesus the son of God? No, God has no sons. Okay, that separates us. Very, that's very easy. I thought I had to go to school and get a degree. No, you do not. Just ask a very simple question of any religious person. Who is Jesus? Just who is Jesus? Who deceives the whole world? He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. So the number one tactic of the enemy is deception. Oh, you got Jesus? That's great. But you also need to belong to our church. That's deception. You can leave Calvary Chapel. Go somewhere else. Go to a Bible-believing church, though. That's all I ask of you. And then say goodbye. I'd love to say goodbye to you. I won't beg you to stay. Go. God bless you. Praise God. We're called to different places. That's no issue. But if there's a church out there that says, if you leave the church, you've left the faith, hmm, there's a problem. There's a problem. The thief, John 10, 10 does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. 
I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So the next question might be, well, how should I pray for my family, coworkers, classmates, neighbors, etc.? I think it's very important to pray specifically as Jesus gave us an example on several occasions, like in Mark chapter 9. Then the Spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. Check out chapter 9, you'll get the whole story. And he became as one dead, so that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast the demon out of this demon-possessed boy? That's the story. Why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, Jesus said to his disciples, this kind can come out by, by nothing but what? Prayer and fasting. So we need to be praying very specifically, not just, well, Lord, bless my whole neighborhood. No, you need to get, that's, that's great, but even more supplicating than that. Luke chapter 22 says, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. <laughs> Think about that. Jesus talking to Peter. Peter didn't have a clue. But I have prayed for you. Peter, I've prayed for you. <laughs> you can't have anybody better praying for you, huh? That's like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I appreciate that. That your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Let's look at Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, very quickly. Most of you know it, but it's the parable of the sower and the seed. So we're going to go right into the explanation. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the word by the wayside. So how does the enemy do that? Through deception. You're here this morning. You're not sure if you want a relationship with God. You're not sure about religion. You're not sure about that. Blah, 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 blah. You're going to leave. The enemy's going to whisper in your ear. You don't need to go to church. You don't need any of that Bible. You don't need God. You don't need Jesus. You don't need any of that. And you might just go, yeah, oh, thank you. I, I didn't want to go on Sunday mornings anyway. It's a great idea. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful but he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it so the question might be how does that person understand the word because they surrendered their will to god's will accepting jesus as their savior and then the holy spirit came within them to guide them through the word to bring them to bring forth what well as we read the rest of the verse, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. So with the information that we've covered, how can we take and apply this into our lives? Well, with our first example of the seed, pray for their heart to be open to the gospel. How can we apply it? That they might surrender their will to God's will. So you know somebody, you're trying to reach them, pray specifically by name, God Help them to surrender their will to your will. You can't claim that. 
You can't say, God, I claim that they're going to receive Jesus as your Savior. You can't do that. You're not going to override their will, and God is not going to override their will. So pray specifically using the word of God. Second example of the seed, pray for those who have heard the word to not be discouraged by going through tribulations or persecutions. True believers will be persecuted for their faith. In the third example of the seed, we pray for those who hear the word that they may not remain focused on the cares of this world, but rather that their eyes will be open to the deceitfulness of this world's riches. So again, praying very specifically. Praying very specifically. You see, it's not a full list by any means, but it's a really good short list to pray about and ask the Holy Spirit to give us insight into who we're praying for. You need Claudia and I, when we pray which we pray regularly, we pray very specifically in our prayer life for very specific things. And I would encourage you to do the same thing. And it might seem repetitious, but I personally don't see anything wrong or unscriptural about praying for the same thing over the years. Now again, not just a habitual, memorized prayer. I was raised under that as well. And we were taught, and again, I'm not bashing religion, I'm just teaching you a little truth, so if you have to talk with someone, you can help them understand that if you prayed so many rosaries, if you did so many novenas, that God would be committed to answer your prayer. God's not committed to answer your prayer. God's will be done. God's will be done. That's our commitment to God. God, your will be done. Not mine. Your will be done. So there's nothing wrong, though, praying about something over and over again. We've been praying for our kids for 40 years. Our oldest is 40 this year. 40, 37, 35, and 33. And we're going to keep praying for them. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't give up on that. Luke 21, getting ready to wrap it up as the music team comes up. Because how about for our own walk, especially in these last days that we're living in? How should we be praying for ourselves? Jesus here speaking. Then Jesus spoke to them in parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are already budding, you see and know that yourself, for yourselves that summer is now near. I personally believe uh, Israel, and we know this is also one of the symbols, is the fig tree. Uh, May 14, 1948, they became a nation. June of 67, they have their Jerusalem capital right now. Pray for Israel, guys. Pray for Israel. We support Israel 100%. Not everything they do. (laughs) But they're in the Bible. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near or the return of Christ. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all things take place. Now, typically a generation, biblical generation, is 70 to 80 years. Feel free to add 70 to 80 years to 1948. Well, Jesus should have come back. (laughs) Add it to 1967. We're right there. We're right there with the great reset. It's incredible how the word of God is lining up. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Now, for you and I this morning, as Jesus talking to his disciples, he's talking to you and me as a believer, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life. What would be one of the cares of this life? The stock market, gas prices, grocery prices, all of these things, inflation and recession, which is real whether they want to deny it or not. They can redefine it all they want. Our pocketbooks tell us otherwise. But don't get consumed with that. Let me see. I think Jesus provided for the children 
40 years in the wilderness with no super Walmarts, no Targets, no Sears. Oh, they're not around anymore. No um, Home Depot. I think God could take care of you. Might not be to your satisfaction, but he'll take care of you. And that day come upon you unexpectedly, capital D. I believe this is the rapture of the church. We are so close. So even for you and I, guys, we've got to guard our hearts. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Now, as you read that, you might think, oh, I'm not worthy. I'll never be worthy. That's where you need to do a little Bible study. You can, do the, you can get this on the internet. It's very easy to do. Those five words, you may be counted worthy. Um, they're used five times. They have nothing to do with salvation. The definition means this. To be strong to another's deter- detriment. To be strong to another's detriment. To prevail against, to overpower. Does anybody have a scripture like that? First John, we'll wrap it up with this. 4-2. You are of God, little children. Guys, this is you this morning. You're you're God's kids. The whole world is not God's kids. You have to have the Holy Spirit within you to be God's kids. You are, are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Who's them? The world. Does that mean my 401k is gonna go through the roof? No, that's not, forget that. This is about eternity, guys, eternity. Everything else is for our own comfort. And if we don't have any of it, who cares? We're going to heaven. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The Holy Spirit that dwells within you is greater than anybody on the face of this earth. And is greater than any spiritual forces that we cannot see. The Holy Spirit. Stay focused on the Holy Spirit and how he wants to use you this week to minister to those who are going to hell. Father, we thank you and praise you for we are your ambassadors. Help us not to get caught up. Help us to be diligent. Help us to do our part. We need to be active. We need to be responsible. We need to do our part. But make sure we have that balance in our lives, Father. And help us to definitely, definitely lean towards your word and grace. Those who cross our paths, that they might come to know Jesus as their Savior. There's no greater calling than what you've given us to do, to be an ambassador for your Son. So Lord, even right now, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit that we would not argue religion this week, we would not argue politics, we would not argue positions. We would just take people to Jesus, that God loves them, Jesus died for them. Would you like to receive Jesus as your Savior? Help us keep it simple, Father, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.